What's happening, Soul Fam? Welcome to Onto High Quantum Healing. The podcast is going to help you tap into your psychic abilities, become a fifth dimensional being, and understand the true meaning of ascension. In this week's episode, we talk about queer spirituality and queer alchemy. We go into my experience diving into gay shamanism, all the magic and spells that have been manifested through it, and so much of the psychology that alchemy brings us from our day-to-day processes. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Antohai, on TikTok and YouTube at Antohai Quantum Reiki. And if you're ready to step into your sole purpose, becoming an Ascension coach and spiritual entrepreneur, check out the links in the description below. Join our academy where we'll teach you everything about energy healing, quantum reiki, onto high alchemy, and how to create the life of your dreams as a six-figure entrepreneur in the spiritual community, bringing us deeper into the golden age. For tarot readings and energy healings, go ahead and check out ontohigh.us for all your resources. Check out my new queer spirituality page on Instagram called gay spiritual healer that's at gay spiritual healer for all my homies that want to dive deeper into today's subject matter and have a very special place where we can work together so come on by i would love to do a gay alchemy energy healing with you or dive into some gay tarot let's dive into our session I am your host, Axel Carrasquillo, world-renowned shaman. And this episode is more so about, um, it's, you know, we're, we're coming at the end of Pride Month, okay? And I know at the beginning of this month of Pride 2022 in June, I made one podcast kind of just, you know, sharing another healer's perspective. But what I really wanted to share in this podcast were the magic of gay alchemy that I've been diving into, which is super, super intense. Now, I don't do a lot of gay episodes um, just because there's so much more to the universe than just being gay. Um, But even if you're not a gay person, if you're a male, if you're a man, you should definitely be listening to this because this can help you open up your dynamics on sexuality and your dynamics on yourself when it comes to your divine feminine, your divine masculine. If you're a woman, this is still super educational for you because there's so much that goes on in here. So when it comes to LGBT culture, I think one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is how it works and how it has so many different facets to it, right? So um, in, in gay culture, it is not only the L, the G, the B, the T, but when you go into the G, which is gay, is there's all these little subcategories that apply to them. Like you're a twink, which is like a, a younger 18 to 20 something year old male. You're a bear, which is like an older guy that's like out of out of shape debatably, right? There can be wolves that are people who are completely silver. There's otters who are really hairy people. You know, there's all these different weird categories that go on in the gay community. And one of the things that I really found that was really interesting going through this um, like cycle of understanding gay alchemy is that alchemy is the psychology behind these different cultures that are created in not only all cultures, but specifically because it's gay alchemy and gay culture, right? And um, it really just started off with me having this question like, okay, there's alchemy for Black people. There's alchemy for like, you know, Aryan people. There's alchemy for people who only live on islands. There are 
there's alchemy for people who only talk to aliens you know there's alchemy for all these different categories of existence i wonder if there's any alchemy for gay people and that's kind of like where i i just i threw that question on into the universe and i said if there's any alchemy related to gay people like for sure i want to learn what that's all about so as soon as i put that out there um one of my friends started uh really investing himself in voodoo and then he started talking to me about voodoo and I got a little bit curious. I've always been super apprehensive to voodoo. It's always been like this thing where I'm like, you know, oh, stay away from it. You know, like it's got like some dark energy to it that I didn't want to like really get dive back into. But somebody told me, okay, if my friend's getting into it, I'm getting kind of drawn to it. I started having dreams about it. And I said, let me dive into it. One of the things that really blew my mind about voodoo is that voodoo has several different gay deities or deities that specifically only work with gay men and like when that when i saw that because you know i i definitely know latin culture and i know like how latin culture can be sort of homophobic depending on what form of latin you come from and only thinking about dominicans living next to haiti and then i could only imagine how haiti has probably like its biasism towards lgbt culture i know jamaica has that kind of vibration um i was kind of like shocked just to see that voodoo was not anti-LGBT just because the people were practicing anti-LGBT practices, right? So like the people practicing voodoo are not always in alignment with voodoo itself, very similar to Christianity where people practice Christianity, but they cherry pick what they want to vibe with when it comes to Christianity. And that kind of like really blew my mind a little bit. And I said, wow, like if this is happening in voodoo, let me like dive even deeper and see where it takes me. So Voodoo has um, the main spirit. Her name is Azili Freda. That one's the one that I, I started working with a, a voodoo priest just to kind of learn a little bit more from somebody who actually knows the art more proficiently than I ever would. And he naturally started telling me about Azili Freda, which Azili Freda is this goddess of luxury, love, abundance. And she works with people who are of minority. So like women, children, gay men. Now, there are different lores on Azili Freda. Azili Freda um, sometimes presents herself as a beautiful white woman with uh, blonde hair. Sometimes Azili Freda shows herself up as a cannibalistic looking vibration. Sometimes she looks like a queen. Sometimes she looks like a younger woman. It's very similar to like the uh, Egyptian gods and what way they show themselves to you, depending on how you're experiencing your own life, right? So you'll experience a dark version of set and Egyptian alchemy if you're going through a very dark moment in your life versus experiencing a powerful version of sex if you're basically putting yourself to this adventure of expanding your own power in your own world, right? So Azili Freda was one of the first things that really blew my mind. And then eventually I found two more voodoo spirits where their names right now kind of like escape me, but um, the names are Baron Uwa Uwa, who manifests like a child, but is associated to everything that's tied to homosexuality and voodoo. There's also a couple called Baron Lundy and Baron Limba who are lovers and they teach a type of homo erotic nude wrestling especially for the people who are part of their school so this right here kind of started blowing my mind I'm like whoa oh my god there's even like a gay couple that's in voodoo like 
holy shit, that's so cool. So as I'm starting to download this, I, I start basically um, investing myself a little bit more in the practice of voodoo, just trying to, you know, understand more of it, talking to spirits, saying, hey, if anyone wants to teach me more about gay alchemy, show me. That led me to fairies. So at some point, that leads me to fairies. When I'm talking to these fairies, I understand that they are gay and straight and bi and trans and like pansexual and asexual kinds of fairies. It's a fairy literally for everything. So I was like, okay, you know, gay fairies come to me. That's I want to hang out with you. The gay fairies led me to a series of books, tons and tons of books about gay literature um, throughout history and about like gay magic and stuff like that. And one book that I really started reading and this this is not safe for work. The title of the book is called The Faggot's Bible. This book was really intense to me because it it showed me through the fairies that there's different kinds of gay guys. And I assume that this is the same thing with even lesbians and other people in the LGBT community. It's more than just otter, twink, you know, bear. Like, it's more than that. There are things called, for instance, like subs and doms. And there are also... Um, you know, basically like people who are sides, which is comes into like sexuality, right? So a submissive, a sub, a dom, a dominant person, a side, someone who doesn't like to engage in traditional sex. They just like to have intimate connections and stuff like that, or do the, the baseline superficial sex type stuff. So all of these different categories are coming in and reading the faggots Bible, I started understanding that there are these types of guys called serfs, which in uh, LGBTQ culture, they're literally labeled faggots, okay? Faggots are people who worship the phallus, they worship dick, they worship cock as God. That is their source of God, okay? And then basically semen is the nectar of life or the fountains of youth. I have actually met guys that are like this. And I, if you don't know the psychology behind them, the alchemy behind them, you would just think that they're sluts. But really, there's a spiritual practice that goes in their psychology that they may not even be aware of. They're just acting on it. Their nature is based off of this alchemy that they're acting on. So faggots are people who, who love to just service men. And those men are the people that they consider kings in alchemy. So in alchemy, there are kings and then there are serfs. Serfs basically serve kings, which are like essentially the idea of a real man to the serf. Now, the serf's main purpose is just to service God. It, he's like a missionary in himself to God, which is penis, like, right? And that was like kind of like, well, I, you know, you you see some people get really addicted to sex and you don't even ever think about it being a spiritual practice to them. And then that led me more into Tantra, which is the taboo in, in um, different forms of shamanism. So Tantra basically in Hindu shamanism, Agora shamanism is like, you do everything that's not okay in society, or you embrace the things that do not seem holy in society, because everything is God anyway. So the same way that you save a life, and that's embodying God, the same way you can take a life, and that in some way is embodying God, that is the essence of Tantra, okay? And then people who practice Tantra, they try to really dive into um, having more sex. They try to dive into, you know, breaking the boundaries between life and death. They go into all these different like taboo explorations. And 
again, if you're going to get into that type of shamanism, I really highly recommend you do some extensive research before you even start experimenting with it. There's a lot that goes into that. But I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. Like, and I understand why there's like, there are gay guys who never commit, right? And that's the thing too, like faggots or serfs, they are there to basically pleasure and worship every version of God available, which is many, many dicks. <laughs> and if this is like getting weird for you, like this is the psychology of, of certain gay men. Like this is the alchemy behind it. If you're a faggot, congratulations. Now you know like the base drawings of who you are if you're not this is still good for you to understand so i'm like okay so i read this whole book and i'm understanding it and then i'm thinking to myself okay like you know when have i been a faggot have i ever been a faggot in my life and i'm like yeah i guess so like you know when we're in our early 20s like all you want to do is have sex and involve yourself in some way shape or form with sex right and in a way everyone goes to like a faggot stage, which is similar to going through like your great awakening. Right. And that's kind of like coming out of the closet. Like you've been, you've been sleeping, you've been living this life, this whole entire time that isn't in alignment with who you truly are. You decide to step into your authenticity, which is the equivalent of stepping out of the closet, which is the breaking point. That's the point of death where you're like, okay, I'm going to embrace being a new version of myself entirely, whatever the fuck that brings. Right. You step into that energy and then all of a sudden you have like your moment of faggotry where most men who come out of the closet end up like literally having so much sex or they try to like really involve themselves. It's typical, right? Not everyone does it, but the, the standard for most men is that they just have a lot of sex to explore themselves and find themselves because they have somehow now found their divinity, which makes sense. And unconsciously, what they're doing is they're worshiping source, they're worshiping God, because they can find who they truly are, their authentic self through interaction with penis. And I'm like, whoa, like, my brain is starting to explode on even looking at my own psychology when it comes to who I am as a person, because I've always seen myself like I'm a, I'm a man that identifies as like both kind of sexes internally because I recognize I have to be both that also plays out to be a gay person right like that's kind of like the dynamic that it shows up as but I don't I'm in a man's body but I don't see myself as a man ish you know what I mean I don't really see that so it was kind of like one of those those really powerful expressions that I first started really realizing so then I start diving into the culture of gay history basically with young younger vibrations the Japanese monks in Shinto shamanism would literally have gay sex with their uh their, their the students that they were tutoring basically and part of this was because it was believed that through sexual interaction the ability of one monk would transfer into the student as well which would would be would be like the interaction or the intertwining of auras and the student would learn faster this was only done through male-male relationships. Now, after the student have reached maturity to be self-sufficient, and that was usually around like um, somewhere in the like 22, 23-year-old range, the student and the master would stop having sex. They would go their own ways. And then eventually that student would become the master of a new person and the cycle would start over and over and over again. Now, in Shinto shamanism, what was really interesting is that 
you could only be dedicated to one of your pupils at a time if you were a master and vice versa. So you literally entered a relationship, a gay relationship as a monk with one of your students who are your apprentices that want to learn your techniques. You guys would enter in some sort of gay relationship, have sex, take care of each other up until the point that your student was fully matured. And usually it, you wouldn't do this with anyone over the age of 25 to 29. And then you would go on your way and the, the cycle would repeat, right? It was a culture of indoctrination um, into a specific art that was holy by having holy relationships, right? And most people would look at that and be like, oh, well, that's pedophilia. Oh, that's like child abuse. Oh, that's whatever. Let's backtrack even more, okay? They're not, they weren't all underage. And you also have to think about the standards of age, when it comes to specific cultures and specific time periods, right? Like in Canada, you can drink in certain areas at the age of 19, where in America, you can only drink at the age of 21. The rules are different because the culture's perceptions are different based off of the timeline and the area that we're in. If you backtrack and you go into uh, like Roman and Greek alchemy and mythology and culture, they had a very similar system as well, where they would tutor a younger man and then the man and their, his apprentice would have some sort of sexual interaction up until the student got to a, a certain point of age, was mature, could defend or, or fend for himself and move on forward. But gay culture was not just involved in like a, a mentor relationship. And that's what's funny. Like that's part of gay culture, like having an older man tutor a younger man or be in a relationship where there's a daddy son complex. That is literally part of the gay psychology that exists inside of all gay men. And that's why we see it in today's culture where there's a really young kid that's with this older guy because the kid is looking for security or maybe even a father figure to guide him, to mentor him into becoming someone better. The father figure does that job. They have sex. It gets to a certain point. And usually those types of relationships do break off after the younger student ends up feeling or like the younger guy in the relationship ends up feeling like, hey, I have found what I need. I'm ready for like new relationships. This is going to break up. Like we see that in today's culture where like a daddy son relationship will last a certain amount of time. And then they break up because the younger one is like, I need something new. Or sometimes even the older one is like, okay, I need somebody new to tutor. Right. And there's that weird power dynamic, which then forces us to look at the components of love, right? Like love isn't a, isn't a universal standard as, as many people would like to convince themselves of. Some people love monogamous, uh, monogamously until death, right? And then some people only love in cycles. Like I can only love you for a certain amount of years before I feel like I need something new. Some people can only love animals. Some people can only love being by themselves. Love is a spectrum. And that's where you start diving to different sexualities even and how the formations of those sexualities come into place. Now, what's also really interesting is that Roman and Greek culture, um, Roman more so than Greek, had this one particular tradition where uh, a man, like if you wanted to be at the top ranks of your class and you wanted to really be like one recognized as one of the most powerful um, warriors in your community, you would literally have to get fucked by each and every one of your comrades, you being a man, 
okay? And you could not whimper, make any noise, or flinch the whole entire time. If you did do any of this, and you needed to do this within one day, like you, like one night, like you had to take all these dicks, get fucked like super hard, and not flinch or make any noise in, in the process up until dawn. All of your all of your classmates or you know your warrior mates. If you didn't complete all your warrior mates, then you would die. If you made any sound, the first sound you would make, they would put a sword to your throat. And the second sound, they would slit your throat, okay? This was a warrior's right in Rome. Having gay sex, like trained gay sex, to prove yourself that you were one of the manliest men of them all. Now, what was the what was the foundational thought basis behind this? It was the fact that like the most manliest thing you can do is get fucked by a man, but get fucked by your own vibration. That was one one of, one of the things that was really part of the psychology in gay Roman culture, which was like insane when you think about it. Okay, so we're talking about voodoo here. We're talking about. Um, freaking Roman and Greek culture. We're talking about uh, Shinto shamanism. So then gay culture goes even deeper than that. It goes into Egyptian culture. There were pharaohs that were um, known to be gay. And there were also major moving pieces in reality, like people who did makeup and stuff like that, that were known to be gay. There was a lesbian uh, pharaoh as well at a certain point. And of course, I'm sharing you a lot of the gay male alchemy side because this has been a personal project for me to try to understand myself and I'm sharing it with you across the process um at some point I will dive into like female like alchemy in the gay sector um but that's not where I'm that's not my experience my direct experience right I didn't go into trying to learn about lesbianism or transism or anything like that I I went into it because I needed to understand more of myself as a gay man okay so I know that you know if you're if you're not a gay man and you're listening to this and you're like well where's the lesbianism or whatever like I'll get there eventually when my path takes me there so wow there's so much information like I'm trying to like consolidate it all in my mind because it's been like a wild ride um different gods that exist in gay culture as well like in egyptian culture set is the god of tops or the dominant partner in a gay relationship horus is associated with the god of the bottoms the receptive submissive partner in a gay relationship atum or autumn raw is associated with the versatile partners in a gay relationship so they can be dominant or submissive at any time now gay culture as well in ancient egypt wasn't weird it was just part of nature everything consisted of natures in egyptian alchemy and then if there was a nature that ended up happening it would just play out and that's just what we accept right culture is the only thing that has consistently fought against the idea of homosexuality it's been in a bunch of different places so I'm studying all these different pieces and I'm seeing like, wow, like, you know, in today, like in today's age, we're starting to accept gay culture, but we still haven't understood the battle of gay alchemy that has existed in history for a while. Like we've, we haven't been able to see that because nobody's been documenting it. Nobody's been really sharing it. Nobody teaches you any of your own gay spirituality, similar to like how, um, you know, there, there are certain cultures that have a, a foundational spirituality that belongs to them. Gay people have a foundational spirituality 
that does belong to them. There have even been like major rulers in society as well, like in Roman culture, for instance, uh, Caesar was, there was a famous saying about Caesar is that he was every woman's man and every man's woman is literally what they would say about Caesar. And he was one of the rulers, right? So there's like all this information that was collapsing. I'm like, damn, like the spirituality, the gay leaders, like this has been something that has been suppressed on purpose. And what is the reason? The more I dove into it, I ended up realizing that not only were there gay gods, there were gay spells, there were gay rituals, there were gay influential people like Aleister Crowley. Aleister Crowley, one of the greatest magicians of all time had written about how when you have male on male sex and you don't ejaculate and you just do it for the magical purposes focusing on your manifestation and there's no ejaculation that your potential to manifest is much stronger than if you had heterosex or if you had any other form of sex and that's how he wrote it okay so Aleister Crowley a bisexual man understood the importance of gay sex as a form of alchemy that could advance his own energy system and his own intentions in whatever direction that he wanted to go in so when you realize okay there's been all this stuff about gay alchemy right in all these weird weird places you end up eventually colliding with the idea that gay alchemy is black magic and most people will hear black magic and be like oh my god like that's just so bad we should we need to stay away from it blah 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 the only reason why it's been classified as black magic was because of the church now gay alchemy before the church shows up and starts rewriting history was not considered black magic. It was considered magic that was finely tuned in balance with the cosmos itself, or it was seen as a special kind of alchemy that was a nature and reality that still needed to be manifested. Now, while I'm going through this whole entire experience of like reading this stuff, I'm like, okay, well, I feel like I need a Vedic astrology. I was going through like this really weird experience. I'm like, let me go get a Vedic astrology reading done. And this guy didn't know anything about me. I didn't give him anything other than the base details, my date of birth, you know, where I was born. That's it. And in the first five minutes, I kid you not, he says to me, according to your chart, you should be a homosexual. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? And he's kind of like, well, the Vedas is like, you know, being able to to read the Vedas and, and read Vedic astrology and stuff like that. There's a formula for everything. So like, there's a cosmos, there's something in the cosmos out in the cosmos right now, a whole entire universe that needs to be embodied in physical form on earth. So it can experience itself in a way that it's not as expansive as the universe those compositions of these of those universes have been documented and some of those universes manifest themselves in this world as a gay trans straight bi or asexual person and i was like oh shit so he was like yeah so basically reading your chart your chart already will tell me your sex your um sexual preferences your journey on finding your identity because it's already written in the stars that blew my mind as a gay person who um, grew up with a shamanic family, but also like a hella Christian family, I, I used to always have like this subconscious thing in the back of my mind that like there is something wrong with me, like or there's something that's not entirely in tune. And even though you're a shaman and you work through it and, you know, 
you you've done your work and it doesn't haunt you anymore there's still kind of like the seed that i guess my inner child was holding on to and until i heard this vedic astrologer this guru tell me in the first few minutes that he already knew i was gay based off of my cosmology i was like damn i was always supposed to be this person and i let go of so much like physical resistance that i had been holding on to without realizing that i had been holding on to and i was like just i felt so blessed in that moment and then later i started working with the gay alchemy that i had with clients and i noticed that one of my clients the very first client i had immediately after i did my vedic astrology he had said that he he had this revelation just the day before that he had associated his body with sin like his body was a temple of sin because he grew up in a very you know religious background and they told him that being gay was being in alignment with the devil so he always had associated his body as sin itself and that's why there are a lot of gay men that go through addiction problems and they go through uh you know like not protecting themselves when they could be you know on other fronts sexually or other and it was like this really powerful experience so one of the things that I really want to share, and I know this podcast might be a little bit like all over the place. It's not really like my normal podcast, but I'm trying to just really share with you <laughs> like everything that's come through. Um, and I don't have it like in a linear fashion. I'm just talking out of like my heart here. So Achilles is one of like the gay gods, okay, that you can really connect to. He's the one that has a famous heel where his heel got cut. He fell on the floor and his homeboy Patroclus ended up coming in and saving him, okay? Patroclus did not just save Achilles' heel, girl. He went ahead and he got deeper into Achilles' heart and other places, if you know what I'm saying. So Zeus, the uh, Greek god Zeus, also known as Jupiter in Roman culture, Jupiter is associated to finances. Zeus had that daddy complex. So Zeus in gay alchemy is associated to the daddy spells. So like if you want to be like a mentor to somebody, if you just want to be, you know, if you're in your in your daddy phase and you just want to be like surrounded by a bunch of young men that just give you whatever you want, the Zeus energy is what you really want to call upon. Now, they are, the Achilles energy is more so like if you feel like you're wounded and you can't move any forward and like you've lost all power, you need somebody to save you, like a gay superhero to save you, that would be it. But Achilles, the Achilles vibration also ends in tragedy because Patroclus eventually dies. So you'll find a really hot man that saves you, but then eventually the relationship has to end. Zeus, on the other hand, it's kind of like a constant rotation of twinks and twunks and young men. And you're never going to be alone, but you're never going to actually have a long lasting relationship. These are physical spells that I'm giving you right now. Okay. The way you summon these spells is by literally talking to these deities, telling these deities to come through, knowing what the spells in gay alchemy refer to them as, and just doing energy work with yourself, manifestation techniques with yourself, journaling, stuff like that. Narcissus is basically one of the main characters, I think in, in, Roman and Greek mythology, um, where he was just in love with himself. He was in love with his own reflection. And narcissism comes from the word, from, from this character, narcissist, right? Um, narcissist is, was obsessive with his own vanity. So we do know a lot of gay men in, in our society are, are very obsessed with their own looks and they care more about themselves and they care about anybody else in their reality. Narcissist is that vibration. Now, narcissist 
is also linked to another god named Adonis. Adonis is one of the children of Aphrodite. Adonis is male beauty. So we also do see that in gym culture, gym bunny culture, where like there are some guys who they have to look the most fit, the most ripped, the most beautiful, and they're and trying to embody that Adonis vibration. And then they also get super into themselves, super narcissistic with the narcissist vibration. Now I'm telling you literally, gay gods, gay alchemy, and how it's playing out in psychology with gay guys in the real world. This is the dynamics. This is the magic, the psychology, the mind-blowing stuff that I've been really vibing with. Apollo, Apollo, the sun god, he was really uh, in love with Prince Hyakinthos. And eventually Prince Hyakinthos dies. He has like a really, really like bummer time he ends up falling in love with the god hymen which is the god of marriage they have a gay relationship for a while that doesn't work out then apollo ends up falling in love with another young man and i can't remember exactly what his name is right now but the young man that he ends up uh falling in love with another male god which is zephyros ends up falling in love with that same man so apollo and zephyros both want this one dude and then um essentially thamiris that's his name thamiris thamiris says i don't want to be with zephyros i want to be with um apollo so apollo and thamiris have a relationship and then that plays out again more and more so apollo has like this vibration of just constantly finding lovers and never being alone and he can find lovers not only in the human realm but he can also find lovers in the godly realm and then he even has other uh, like kind of queer by gods that are trying to fight with him to get his like twinks and his babies you know what i mean so um that was another really interesting one now apollo i've personally worked with i've actually gotten in a relationship with apollo without knowing this beforehand so a couple of years ago, Apollo came to me in a, in a dream and said to me, like, I'll be your boyfriend and I'll take care of everything that you want. But, you know, you're going to you're mine. And I was just like, I've never dated like a god. I said, sure, why not? Fuck it. And I went into it. And then Apollo really did show up. But in my opinion, in my opinion, I did not find Apollo to be a good boyfriend. Like, even though he said he was going to do all these things and whatever and whatever and whatever. I didn't find him to be a good boyfriend. Uh, I found him to be a better friend. And then eventually we broke up and, you know, that was a, a different story. But you can definitely have a relationship with these gods if that's your vibe. Okay. So Hermes, the god of Mercury, Hermes is also known for just kind of like being bisexual. He goes both ways. He does whatever it is that he needs to do. Pan from Pan's Labyrinth. He's kind of like a half goat. Um, half man kind of person. Pan hangs out a lot with Dionysus, which Dionysus is the god of Saturn. He's the god of drinking. He's the god of sex, orgies, partying, just turning it up. You know, like, you know, those, those three-day festival weekend kind of energies, that's all Dionysus energy. Sometimes Pan is hanging out there because Pan is also associated to sex and just giving into your base desires. So they're always at the rave wherever you're at. Now, um, pan has a bisexual energy and some people are going to argue that pan is pansexual that he falls in love with people just because of the fact of like their character pan doesn't show those characteristics all the time is pan possibly pansexual absolutely where he falls in love with people based off of their characteristics technically all gods are pansexual when you think about it that way um but 
Pan himself had more of a record of having gay sex or like bisexual orgies overall than he did falling in love, okay? So he doesn't have a track record of really falling in love. He has a track record of liking something and going after it. So he's like a huge man whore along with Dionysus. Now Dionysus dated Adonis, which is male beauty, okay? So, but Dionysus could never commit to just being with one person. Dionysus represents a lot of trans people because that's the type of people he used to hang out with on a regular basis. When we backtrack a little bit into the story of Adonis, uh, Pan, Dionysus, Aphrodite. Aphrodite loved gay people. She used to hang out with gay people. Her son Adonis was obviously gay dating freaking uh, Dionysus, right? So that was part of her posse. Uh, Aphrodite had a second child called Eros, which is sexual love, which is also desire lust, which we know as Cupid. So Cupid as well had a bias or a bisexuality towards, you know, whatever it was that fancied him. So here we see a lot of the gods of, of love have like this amorphous kind of energy, not all of them, but many do. Pan in certain cultures is seen as like the devil but pan is ultimately just like temptation or desire itself, right? A lot of people wouldn't know this, but Hercules, Hercules, the, you know, super strong guy, he was one of those people as well that used to only want to be surrounded by dudes. Literally, he was constantly surrounded by dudes. And even though he may have had some relationships with women, he's had more close relationships with men, which then kind of like makes you question his full extreme of his uh, sexuality now he is part of that pantheon where poseidon comes in right poseidon is also known for having sex with younger men um also like kind of uh allowing himself to just be part of whatever comes his way you know he likes to have a lot of fun there's orpheus which is the great poet uh orpheus when you work with orpheus he will allow you to write your manifestations like write stories that manifest into your reality poseidon will allow you to destroy and use the waters of reality to really create what you want hercules is going to really force you to embody your own male strength dionysus is going to turn you into a party animal pan is going to teach you a lot about dark arts hermes is going to be about like commerce a lot of the time Apollo is more so about love and relationships and embodying yourself. You can also call upon Apollo when you are feeling a lot of jealousy. So, so far, these are just some of the gods that are like gay and like in the gay culture in general for gay men. Um, in Chinese culture, just Tuor Shen, which is the gay rabbit god. The rabbit, gay rabbit god story is a soldier fell in love with a general the general uh couldn't handle his own feelings so he ended up killing getting the soldier killed when the soldier ends up going to heaven the soldier basically tells the gods what his crime was the gods are like well you did a crime of love you only loved somebody and he couldn't handle his own sexuality that he got you killed we're going to turn you into the god of gay men and that's exactly what ended up happening in his reality so uh, he came back and every once in a while uh, the rabbit god relives his life with the general to see if they can balance out the karma and move forward there are just so many different <laughs> vibrations of gay culture that go into this gods and it's so much more but 
what I really want to just focus on is another another interesting development that I realize in gay culture. And this is going to be like a side reel. Gay culture has a major issue. And I, I don't go on grander. I don't fucking do a lot of that. Every once in a while, I turn it on and I, I'm just curious. You know, I want to see what kind of new people have come into the area. And, you know, if there are any possible friends that you can make during this time and period. And I've realized that on these apps, people are more uh, are more forthcoming telling you all about their medical information than they are about telling you what they look like. So uh, you'll see a bunch of like headless profile pictures, okay? A bunch of headless profile pictures. And they're DL and they don't want anybody to know what they look like or whatever. But yet they're telling you, oh, I'm quadruple vaxxed. And these are the ones that I got. And this is my diet. And this is this. And this is that. And it's just like, you're you're going to tell people more about your physical status than it is embodying like your own face. Like there's, it's weird. And then now people are even using the status of being vaccinated or not vaccinated as a way to filter and be more prejudiced to people again like in the gay community we used to have this this and we still have it we have like these moments where you see profiles and it's like no fats no femmes no asians no blacks no you're not applicable whatever you know what i mean like there's always like these little catty ass comments and standards that doesn't make you feel like you're welcome they'll tell you that if you're over 40 you can't talk to me you know you can't do this you can't do that so then now there's a new classification of ostracism <laughs> of ostracizing people which is like okay i have I, I've been quadruple vaxxed. And if you haven't, then fuck you. I don't want to talk to you. You're not, you're not good enough to me. And I'm, I'm starting to see like how instead of us uniting things to find the spirituality and everything that we do, which is what this gay alchemy ride has really taken me on. We just find more ways to divide ourselves. We find more letters to add to the freaking alphabet, you know, and, and, I, at first, I used to get angry when people used to come and be like, oh, you're part of the alphabet mob. And I used to be like, what the fuck is that? And they'd be like, oh, you know, like you guys got so many letters, LGBT. I don't even know what some of those letters even mean anymore. And I'm like, OK, I understand that. Like, right. It's it's at first I used to get on my nerves. And now I see, OK, like we keep adding letters. We keep adding colors to the flag. We keep finding more separation between everyone. Now, if you're not vaxxed and you you suck, like you're not supposed to be close to me or whatever, you know, like there's no unity. We keep spreading things further and further apart and we keep forgetting the main message here. And I think that's been like the agenda this whole entire time, no matter what it is. Like we've we've turned uh, our our lifestyle into even commerce you know like on during pride month they put a they slap a flag on everything you know a gay flag on everything and then as soon as june is over okay it's back to going back to normal right like gay people have become a luxury like not even a luxury they become something that like you can just you can exploit whenever it is that you want and it just doesn't make sense it just to me like until people realize that there are so many different spectrums of sexuality that there are so many different ways to express yourself, that the human experience is not linear to rather black or white, male or female or whatever, and that we find a middle ground so that everyone can be happy, we're not going to find the new earth that we're looking for in the way that everyone has it painted out in their mind. And that really does begin with 
gay people and gay culture themselves. And a lot of gay people are probably going to hear me say this and be like, fuck you. You suck. It's okay. I don't care. Like you're the kind of gay guy I want to hang out with anyway. So, (laughs) but yeah, like literally I don't, I don't buy any more into the politics of gay culture. You know, like when, when a politician tries to tell me, oh, I'm working for your rights and the fuck you're not, you're doing something for gay people to get what you want out of it. You're not doing it altruistically. You're not doing it, you know, to be a humanitarian. You're not doing it for anything other than what you can secure for yourself. It's a service to self vibration that is disguised as a service to others vibration and that's one of the main things that we see as a major issue in politics and in a lot of different areas religions are starting to do the same thing where certain religions wouldn't would not accept the gay people they're starting to like reconsider it but why are we reconsidering it did you know that in christianity there are several different gay saints like a lot there are gay and lesbian saints that have been documented to have gone on travels together there there's a pair of saints that they did everything together and they died because they got accused or they they were found kissing each other having sex with each other in private there was a nun that literally had an affinity of just helping women and she it was very well known as she preferred women there were two nuns that died by themselves as well um, at the cross. And there's so many different other gay characters. And I just want to touch on, upon a couple. Polyute and Nircus, which they were the first same-sex lovers in the days of the early church, according to the Yale historian uh, John Boshwell. And they were later killed for having a same-sex relationship. Perpetual and Felicity, lesbians, warrior, nuns that basically ended up dying. Madre, Madre Juana de la Cruz, Lazarus was even gay, San Juan de la Cruz was also gay, Hildegard de, of Bilton was gay, Francis of Assisi was gay, you know, Bridget and Darludach also gay, and these are religious saints throughout history in Christianity that are gay, but you don't hear about them because there's some sort of negativity that comes with associating gay gayness with religion, right? They And you have to sit down, you have to think about, okay, we've been robbed from, we've been robbed from our spirituality. We've been turned into a bunch of people who ostracize themselves. We've been turned into a commercial event once a year. You know, it's it's this whole entire thing that's deep empowering you from being who you could truly be. And it's a culture that's been engineered to keep us away from our power. And it's just one of those things that's really crazy because you see it in pride. You see pride when it first originally started becoming a thing, it was because people wanted to be free. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They wanted to be everything that they are. And was it slightly sexualized? Yes. But as time has gone by, gay culture and pride has become something that's like gross. Like personally to me, it's been, it's a gross. I don't hang out at pride. I don't associate with those types of gays. And like, I don't judge them. I'm one of those people like, yo, you know, 
live your life, do whatever you want. When I say something's gross, I'm not judging the people that are there. I'm talking about the energy that I feel when I'm in those environments. That's what I find gross. I don't like the energy. Similar to like, I don't go to raves anymore because I don't like that energy because I find that energy gross. I don't hate ravers. I don't hate raves. I hate the way it makes me feel or I find it gross the way it makes me feel because hate's a strong word. I find it gross the way that makes me feel when I'm in that energy. It's draining. I'm an empath. I know my, my body and I don't like associating myself with pride for multiple reasons. One, it's super hypersexualized. Like almost every pride I've ever gone to is more so about sex and ass chaps and leather and whatever, which in my opinion, there's so much more to being a gay person than just the fact that like you have gay sex. Just my opinion, I might be crazy, I don't know, but whatever. Gay to me is not my identity. I don't identify as gay first and then a Puerto Rican man second and then, you know, a human being third. Like, no, I am a being and my composition is made up of all these different experiences. Gay is probably like on the last of that. You know what I mean? It's just there. Like it's part of the experience. It doesn't define me. It gears certain ways that I do things. But ultimately, if if the gay agenda, right, or like a gay program didn't sit well with how I'm designing my own reality, I'm going to omit it completely. It's not going to be something that I, I abide to because I am creating my own reality, not the identity, not my ego identity of being a gay man, not my ego identity of being a Puerto Rican man, not my ego identity of anything else other than what is going to make me happy. And you don't see that anymore in, in even queer culture because there's so much toxicity that happens. And when you go to pride, you're reminded of like, oh, it's just mostly about sex. And like, sure, yeah, like we can do whatever we want, but it's not really about the community. People are getting together to embrace a form of tantra and they leave it at that. And if you want to call pride a tantric community, you could call that at this moment. They are a, a community that embraces the taboo and culture, and they try to involve that. And that's that's where I see pride. And I'm like, okay, do what you want. Do what you got to do. Like, I totally get it. It's like, I empower you to be who you got to be. I understand tantra. And I'd be a hypocrite if I said I didn't get it, right? or if I had some other negativity associated to it. But for me, it's just like, I don't want to be in that energy. And my my sister-in-law was like, oh, I want to bring my kids over to your house. And I was like, yo, pride is going on. I was like, they're eight and 11. And I don't think you want to bring them over here. And she was like, why? She was driving to go to the grocery store. She saw another pride. She saw these guys walking around in furry costumes and walking around as dogs on the ground with a master and like ass chaps and shit. And she's like, I don't think I, my kids are like, I don't even know how to begin to like explain that to my kids if I were to go visit you right now. And they saw that. Now I live in the neighborhood. So like she can't avoid that if she comes to my house anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? But even on Pride, I was sitting, I was at home, you know, I was chilling at home. I didn't want to like go out and do anything that's Pride related because it's not my vibe. So I, I also see like if I were a parent and I'm a gay man, right? And I, if I had kids, I wouldn't bring my kids to Pride either because that's not what I associate being a gay person to, you know, like gay, gay has spirituality, gay has culture, gay has a mindset. 
gay has a way of being but gay also has history and that history is beyond sexualization and if you go ahead and you ask a lot of the teeny boppers that are popping around nowadays and you ask them about queer history they don't fucking know shit about it they haven't taken an lgbtq class they don't know about stonewall they don't know about like how the pink triangle was a a a super huge whiplash to all gay people on the planet you know what i mean like they don't they don't know about some of these things and they're living their lives ignorant to the struggle of the gay people and like the whole entire culture of gay spirituality, gay alchemy, gay shamanism. And we're not going to see the changes in our world until we fix that. We need to take LGBTQ month and we need to treat it as Black History Month. And Black History Month, what do we do? We learn about Black struggle in history. And we dive into that and we honor, honor the ancestors that got us to where we're at. We don't do that in June. We don't do that during Pride Month. We don't go ahead and sit kids down and educate them on the struggle, the spirituality, the things that have had to happen for them to one day recognize that they are gay and they can live their life in freedom. We don't do that. We don't teach that during June. Instead, we're flaunting sexuality. We're sitting on grinder. We're going ahead trying to find some ass. We're trying to ignore ourselves from the bigger issues that we don't love ourselves. We don't have a community that is functioning, that embraces everyone, that doesn't ostracize. We're not helping everyone by continuously dividing the idea of sexual freedom or or. or character freedom it shouldn't even be about sexual freedom it should be about character freedom you are a character that has specific settings that you want to live your life by or that you identify by or that you are chemistry aligned with and that goes about across the board for everyone live and let live but we don't see that and we need to make a concentrated effort to be like okay pride month is a month where we use it for education Let's talk about these gay saints. Let's talk about these gay gods. Let's talk about these gay spells. Let's talk about Stonewall. Let's talk about all these other things that have happened across all culture, all of history for thousands of years. The Mayans had a gay god. And let's talk about that. Instead, we focus on the rainbow. Instead, we focus on like, oh yeah, the sex. Instead, we focus on like, oh, this is the month where I can actually be the most gayest I've ever been ever in my life. Why? Why? Why are you waiting for Valentine's Day to express your love to somebody you really care about? That doesn't fucking make any sense. The restructuring of gay identity is a spiritual evolution that's absolutely necessary no matter what it is that anyone wants to say. And again, if you hear me and you got salt towards me and you're trying to send me the evil eye, that's why we don't hang out. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's cool. And I and I I really hate to say this even like I have gay acquaintances, but I don't really have a lot of gay friends because they're involved in um, you know, drama or they're involved in like all the illusion that's happening when there's more there that we're missing. And that's the power of your gay spirituality. It starts with you. It starts with the question of you putting it all into the cosmos and saying, hey, cosmos, I've I want to know about my gay power. I want to know about my gay spirituality. I want to know about phallicism, which is the worship of the phallus, dick, that's been in every culture everywhere. Just like there's been a worship of the womb 
or vagina in every other culture all over the world. You don't have black magic. You're not unholy. You're not wrong. You are literally a product of the cosmos embodied and you're you're here to do that. You're here to be that person. You're here to embrace your sexuality, but you can't embrace what it truly means to be a queer, gay, bisexual, trans person if you're not looking up trans gods and trans spirituality and how trans has has its own special magic to it. You can find it. You're not going you're not going any deeper into your gay your gayness if you're not looking up gay mysticism. If you're not looking up lesbian gods and goddesses that have had lesbian relationships, you're not doing your part. You're satisfied. You're still asleep if you're only settling for your current freedoms. And that's kind of like where I'm at. I'm sending you all the love. If you're looking for one-on-one coaching, go ahead and set up a call with me. I'd love to work with you, help you advance your spiritual powers. Check out my new Instagram page. It is at gay spiritual healer that's for all my game gay homies who want to learn a little bit more about these deities some of the books that i'm reading and so much more the energy work that i'm doing that's one of the things that i didn't really dive into um, in this particular episode maybe in another one but i want to create a course where i teach you the actual gay alchemy which is gay spells that you can actually put into place there are demons that are gay there are angels that are gay there are so many different things that are out there that embody our energy and you can actually create spells that will get you more head or get you a boyfriend or make you more attractive or make you love your body more specifically for gay men so you want to check out at gay spiritual healer on instagram if you want to get more in on that let me know how you felt about this particular uh podcast as well this is where we're on june 28th on a tuesday and i just wanted to really get these final thoughts out as i've been experiencing pride 2022 and i didn't want to wait another year before i talked about a lot of this i'm sending all the love don't forget to subscribe comment and share if you're looking for one-on-one coaching with me to empower yourself into your highest vibration check out the links in the description or visit us at onsohigh.us.